Oh, great worship today, Pastor Mark and team. Thank you so much. Uh, would you do this with me, my friends? Uh, we're not going to practice yoga or anything like that. It's okay. J just do that for a minute. You can trust me. And would you imagine that your left elbow is Memorial Day weekend of this summer and your left hand is day 49 of the summer. That was yesterday, by the way. Day 50 is today your right hand and your right elbow is Labor Day weekend. We are at the midpoint of the summer right now. Oh. Zach, do you have our theme verses, brother? Could you put them on the screen for me? Would you say them with me? Let's start with the John 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now my guess is that somewhere along your left arm, from Memorial Day weekend to today, you have experienced that verse. You have experienced the efforts of the dark world in which we live trying to steal your joy, your contentment, uh, try, trying to kill relationships, hopes, dreams. And Jesus has been saying to you so far this summer, I'm here. I am the great I am. Hold on. I can help you. Now, choose life. That's a choice this weekend. So say the second verse with me. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. May I suggest that's a verse calling you to look forward to the next 50 days of the summer of 2014. And for the next few minutes, I want to call you to Selah, you know, that's a little word that appears in the Psalms occasionally. It says, rest, pause, reflect, ponder, listen to what God wants to say. At the midpoint of our summer, let's enjoy this day from a Selah perspective, looking back and looking forward. Because tomorrow, you've already stepped into the next half of the summer. So don't lose the potential of this weekend. If you've been following along with us on the two chapters of God's Word a day journey, can you believe you've almost read 100 chapters of the Bible so far this summer? And starting tomorrow, we'll do another 100 chapters till we come to Labor Day. And if you haven't started, there's still a few more of these left out at the Welcome Center that gives you every day what two chapters to read so that we're all reading them together. Uh, you would have read uh, today chapter 14 of the Psalms. That won't be hard for you to find. So open your Bibles right about to the middle. And if you didn't bring a Bible, there's one under the chair in front of you. Psalm chapter 14. Why 14? Well, if you've noticed, we've been pointing out the 14th chapter of several of the books of the Bible because this is the year 2014. And so I, I kind of did an experiment. I, I read all the 14th chapters in the whole Bible, and I was amazed to see how many significant things that there were in the 14th chapters. Our, our, our theme this summer, as you know, is three words, choices, changes, and connectivity. And I love the graphic that shows these gears because our choices affect change, right? So if you think back over the first 49 days of your summer, you've probably made hundreds of choices by now. And those choices have resulted in change in you, in your family, in your business, 
And because we all live connected with one another, your choices have affected other people. The changes going on in your life have affected other people, just like their choices have affected you, right? The fool says in his heart, that's how Psalm 14 starts. Can you imagine? The fool says in his heart, there, there is no God. You might look at that and say, obviously the writer has lost his mind. It's an imbecile who wrote this. No, King David wrote this. The fool says where? In his heart. I'd like us to consider today, my dear friends, that sometimes a human being, a good person, often, can find themselves living a lifestyle that is turning increasingly wrong, increasingly dark, and their behavior, their attitudes is saying, there really is no God, so I can just keep going down this dark path. In the next few weeks, some who have just graduated from high school are going to step onto college campuses all across this country. You remember when you did that? And in the first two or three weeks, they are going to be deluged with opportunity. Can we call it opportunity? Would that be okay? <laughs> Invitations to every kind of party and to join every kind of group and information, much of which they've never really considered. And for the first time in their lives, they will have total freedom to do whatever they want to do because mom and dad aren't there. And nobody who knows them well is watching over them. It is the most vulnerable time, may I suggest, in a person's life, those first few weeks of college. And very often the choices that are made in those first few weeks affect the rest of their lives. And sometimes, some of us maybe, have looked back to those first few weeks and say, oh, I'd give anything to go back and have that first month of college all over again. Now that's just one snippet of our human society. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. There's some notes for you in, in the middle of your worship folder. I, I invite you to take them and lay them there in your Bible. What kind of a man wrote this? His name is at the top of the, of the psalm, David. So I started doing some digging this week. What could possibly have been going on in his heart, in his mind, that, that would cause him to write something like this? We first find this interesting man, as you may know, in the book of Samuel. God says to the prophet Samuel, go to King Saul, the first king of Israel, and tell him it's over. He's turned his back on me. I'm now withdrawing my hand to blessing. I cannot bless him in his disobedience. 1 Samuel chapter 13. Samuel went to Saul and he says, You acted foolishly, verse 13 of chapter 13. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now, now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him to be the leader of his people. Hmm. A man after God's own heart. Do you suppose it's possible that today, 
the fifth the 50th day of summer 2014 God is looking across the landscape of the United States of America can I find one man could I find ten might I find a hundred men who are pursuing the heart of God could I find a thousand could I find ten or a hundred or a thousand women who like here are pursuing the heart of God you know what it means I believe it means a person who wants to know God not, not know about God know God a person who wants to develop a relationship with God so that that person can discern when God is speaking to them is leading them at a point of decision to know what decision is the right decision to make a person who is so sensitive to, to God's work in his life that he recognizes when he or she is about to make a decision, a choice, that could bring devastated consequences to them or their family or their business. Could it be that today God's looking for that kind of a man? Yes. Yes, Second Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him yes right now God is looking across America is there one is there ten is there one or ten sitting in this room right now are you one a couple chapters later God says to Samuel I found him go down to Bethlehem ask for a man named Jesse he's got a house full of sons have those sons parade in front of you and I'll tell you which one is the one I found who is a man who's pursuing my heart and he's the one I want you to anoint as the leader of my people so you'll remember the story Samuel did and Jesse was shocked to have him come to his house and starts parading his sons through and the first couple of sons Samuel goes oh I'm very impressed Mr. Jesse you produce some fine specimens of young men <laughs> but he hears in his mind God saying nope not the one in fact it tells us in that 16th chapter that God says the Lord does not look at the things man looks at man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart the heart the parade of boys stops and Samuel says mr. Jesse we got a problem is this all the sons you have well yeah kinda what do you mean kinda well, I got another one, but he's a little scrawny runt, and he's out with the sheep. <laughs> Call him. We'll wait. It tells us there in that chapter that when the little scrawny runt came in, God whispers into Samuel's ear, Stand up. Rise. Anoint him. He's the one. And so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Not long after that, I don't know exactly how old David was then, or how old he was when his father said to him, Here, take some food to your brothers who are in the battle. Go up and see how things are going. And he goes, and as he's visiting his brothers, you remember, a big, tall giant of a man comes out and blasphemes, says horrible things about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, and the scrawny run. L little David, isn't anybody going to do anything? Be quiet. Go back home. You don't know anything about warfare. 
I've got this little sling, and I've killed the lion and the bear. Get out of here. You remember he goes out and with one stone fells that giant. Not long after that, he becomes a leader in Saul's army, and not too long after that, Saul finally dies, and he becomes the king of God's people. He conquers the city of Jerusalem, makes it his capital, brings the Ark of the Covenant of God there, pitches a tent for it. He's a worshiper. His heart is hard after God. He wants to be a God-honoring man in every way. Time passes. Oh, things change. Uh, one evening, he's uh, up on the, the rooftop of his house, thinking about all that he's accomplished in life, looking over his city and sees a woman bathing. Oh, calls his servant. Who is that? Sir, that, that is Mrs. Uriah the Hittite. Who? Uh, Mrs. Uriah the Hittite. He is one of your soldiers. He, he's out right now at battle. Oh, that's a shame. He's not home? No. Oh. Invite her to dinner. Sir, that, that is, I heard you the first time. Invite her to dinner. And she comes, and they spend the evening and the night. And she sends word later, Sir, Your Majesty, I am pregnant. He hadn't protected his heart. It's a dangerous place, isn't it? You remember he calls for her husband, wants a report of the battle sends the husband home. He sleeps on the ground because that's the way his fellow soldiers were sleeping. In anger, King David sends him back with a sealed letter, put Uriah in the hottest place of the battle and pull back and leave him alone. And they do. Word comes back, Sir, your faithful servant Uriah has been killed in battle. Oh, that's a shame. And his poor wife, who's with child, oh, Maybe I should take her to be my wife and raise that man's son. And he did. Almost a year passed. God sends Nathan the prophet to King David. You're a liar. And you stole another man's wife. And you had her husband killed. And David's unprotected heart breaks finally oh God create in me a pure heart he writes in Psalm 51 renew a steadfast spirit in me oh God please please don't take your Holy Spirit from me please restore to me the joy of your salvation could it be that it was sometime future he was remembering that that he wrote the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Because he was remembering where he was, what he was feeling, what he was thinking as he developed this very complex plan to cover up his sin. His heart had turned sour, had turned away from God. Years later, near the end of his life, he calls his son Solomon, who's about to be king, and I have it there for you in your notes, and he says to Solomon, My son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. 
And could it be that that is part of why when Solomon began to write the Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. So as you see in your notes, I'm giving you an assignment if you're willing to accept it for this weekend. Ask yourself this question. How is my heart? Who are the people who have most significantly influenced my heart and the condition of my heart on this, the 50th day of this summer? What are the primary contributors to the current condition of my heart? And then this important question. Do you see it there in your notes? If left unchanged, where will I be 50 days from now on Labor Day weekend if there is no change to my heart? Now ponder that a moment. Tess Serbenka, did I see you in the room someplace? Please come. Uh, Tess went with a number of our high schoolers down to the Nationals Conference. 5,000 high schoolers gathered from all across the country. They came for the purpose, didn't they, Tess, of having their hearts challenged. Yeah. What did you experience? Sure did. Um, it, was, it was just an awesome week um, of us being together. And um, they started off the conference asking us to pray a prayer. Lord, I trust you, and I will not resist you. Have your way in me this week. And that just set the stage for God to do an awesome, amazing work. And um, <clears throat> me personally, it was... Um, the theme was restoration, restoring, and um, even as you were just speaking, um, one of the lyrics in the song, we had um, Run Collective worship with us, and one of the lyrics in the song is, God is stronger than our hearts, and it just hit me um, as you're just talking about our heart conditions, and um, my heart's been a wreck all year, <laughs> so just realizing God, God's got it, and so the theme was <clears throat> live the story, tell the story, that God is the center of the story. We don't invite him in. He's the center, and we need to get that um, right in our lives. And so a lot of our teens were like, I need to get God back in the center of my life. So Amen. there was a lot of great um, just, you know, like, okay, what are our action steps? How are we going to do this? What's going to happen? Amazing speakers. Shane Stacy says hello. And so um, we had just a wonderful time. Amen. Um, Dave's Amen. presence was really missed, though. It's going to be really difficult to not be partnering with him. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. we just had a lot of discussions about that, too. And so we're going to carry on, though. Thank you, Tess. Thank you. I really mean that. And uh, I want to ask you to pray. We're in a time of transition, as you know. David and April are responding to the call of God in their life, and they're heading to Africa. Tess is responding to the call of God in her life and stepping in to work, partner and work with our senior high students, all of whom she knows well. She had them when they were junior high students. She has that part of her heart that loves the world, and she spent a year, as you know, in the world race. So God, before we look into just a little more of your word this morning, please, your mighty hand on the heart of our dear sister Tess, on the hearts of every one of our teenagers, junior high and senior high, your mighty hand on the heart of David and April, and the heart of this church. We love you, we praise you, Oh, we want our hearts to be right with you, and we can't wait to see what you want to do this year in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. So I said, God, help me understand what's going on in David's heart. And I started in Psalm 3, and, and I 
want to walk you from Psalm 3 to Psalm 14. Would you, would you go there with me? Psalm 3. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 3 is the first psalm that has David's name affixed to it. And would you believe every psalm from Psalm 3 to Psalm 41 has David's name? Every one of them. 72 of the psalms and 150. Look at Psalm 3. O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud. He answers me from his holy hill. I lie down in sleep. I awake again because the Lord, what's the next word? Sustains me. David is writing, I believe, in saying, my God is a sustaining God. He sustains my life. And if you're here today, my friends, and you kind of feel like you're holding on just by your fingernails because life is so complex for you, I want you to know God is a sustaining God. The risen Jesus Christ can carry you through whatever it is you're walking through. Amen? Don't give up on him. Cry out to him as David did. Look at the next one, Psalm 4. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me. Hear my prayer. Verse 3. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Do you hear David saying, My God is a God who hears me. He hears my cry. He even hears my whisper. He even knows when I can't articulate with words what I'm feeling or what my mind is thinking. So the Holy Spirit prays for me. God hears me and he cares. If you feel like your prayers have been bouncing off the ceiling for a while, you feel like God is distant and has... Psalm 4, hold on to it. Psalm 5, give ear to my words, O Lord. You see, there it is again. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for I pray to you. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my requests before you and I, what is it? Wait in expectation. Don't you love that? You see, David is saying, God knows my need and he responds to my need in his good time. If you've been crying out and it's been a long time and you, you're kind of beginning to think, God, I guess maybe my need isn't as important as other people's. Or maybe you're too busy. Or, hang in there. He loves you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. Have you figured out yet that God's timing is always right and almost always your timing, certainly mine, isn't, huh? Uh, are you kind of like me? Uh, God, here's my need. I'd really appreciate it if you didn't get it taken care of by... Uh, is 30 minutes enough? There's a family in our church who's been longing for more than a year to, to buy a home here in our area and to move from Michigan where nobody is selling a house, at least not in the town that they live in. We've prayed multiple times in my office, and there have been a few times they wouldn't mind me telling you where there's been some fist pounding on the table. God, how much longer? It's cash offer. Cash offer on the house. Evidently, almost everybody else who has come through the house has said, a nice house, but this strange stairway thing you got going here right inside the foyer. This guy says, finally I found one, another house like mine that has this wonderful stairway, just like the house that I have. 
<laughs> I, I lay my request before you and I wait in expectation. Can't you see it? It's kind of, I'm holding my breath, God. I can't hardly wait to see what you're going to do with this in your good time, and I trust you enough to wait. That's hard to say amen to that, but when you learn it, you can say it, right, Susan? Look at the next psalm, Psalm 6. Oh, Lord, please don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I'm faint. Verse 4, turn, O Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Verse 9, the Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. To hear David saying, my God is a merciful God. He extends mercy to me. I know I don't deserve it. I know I ought to be punished for what I've done, but he's a merciful God. Amen? Look at Psalm 7. Oh, Lord, my God, I take my refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me. Verse 3, O Lord, if I have done this, if there is guilt on my hands, if I've done evil to him who is at peace with me or without cause have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue and overtake me. Verse 8, judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity, O Most High God. Do you hear David saying, I trust him. He's a just, righteous, holy God. He knows the truth. If you've ever been on the end of injustice, unfairness, you know what it's like to be saying, isn't there anybody who sees the truth in this? God does. And then, of course, there's Psalm 8. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name and all the earth. You're a worshiper, my friends. You've set your glory above the heavens. I love living in a town where there's a building that only has one purpose. Look up and be amazed, the observatory. Amen. Stand in awe of God's creation. From the lips of children and infants, you've ordained praise. King David surely must have gone to a VBS that week and experienced hundreds of kids celebrating and praising God. From the lips of children and infants, you've ordained praise. If you're a parent or a grandparent and you've got little ones, you know that, right? You see that innocent celebration that pours out of a child. When I consider your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon and stars you've set in place. What is man that you're mindful of him? It seems to me that this is a man who's saying, I choose to look at life through the lenses of worship. Regardless of the brokenness around me, I look at it awed by who God is. I try to look at it through his eyes. I will not allow the brokenness of the world around me to suck the joy out of my life. So Psalm 9, he says, I'll praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I'll tell of all your wonders. I'll be glad and rejoice in you. I'll sing praise to your name, O Most High. Elion, O Most High. Verse 9, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And in your notes, I've started to list a, a list there for you of some of the great names of God. Elwah, the God who sees me, Hagar said in Genesis 16. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God, God Almighty. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who is the provider. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, and so on. 
And so we come to the end of Psalm 13 where he says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation, O God. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. You hear the praise just pouring out of David? And then he picks up the pen and says, the fool says in his heart there is no God. They're corrupt and their deeds are vile. There's no one who does good. That's the kind of a person who says there is no God, a person who is so deep down in the darkness, in the wickedness, in the immorality, in the vileness, they've convinced themselves, doesn't matter. There is no God watching what's going on in my life. I'll never be held accountable for it. In your notes, I've written this statement. You'll see it on the screen. The unprotected heart will be drawn to doubt and may reject God. You might want to read that four or five times. That's what I think David is saying to us out of his own experience of failure and out of what he writes here. The unprotected heart, if you don't protect your heart, the world in which we live will be clawing and scratching at your heart to try to hurt it, tear it, break it, and to draw it ever so slowly away from God and into those places where you make the choices you never thought you would make. And those choices shape your family and ruin your legacy. The unprotected heart will be drawn first to doubt God, and then as you go further and further to marginalize God and then eventually reject God altogether. Verse 2, the Lord looks down from heaven. Uh, don't you see that David is not going to be drawn into the debate? He just simply says, God is there, and he's looking down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who are seeking God. A distorted perspective of God does not change the truth. Please think about that. A distorted perspective of God does not change the truth. Verse 2 and verse 1, you put them in contrast. The fool says there's no God. David says God is looking down to see is there any who understand. In this drift thing, you see, we get a distorted perspective of God. But, but David is saying no matter what your perspective, truth stands. God is who he claimed to be and always has been. Amen? And so if you see him wrong, if you misunderstand him, it doesn't change who he is. Verse 5, there they are overwhelmed with dread, those people who live like there is no God. For God is present in the company of the righteous. Do you see that? And don't you love it? God is present in the righteous, in the company of the righteous. That tells me God is here in this room right now because this is a company, a gathering of at least some who God declares as the righteous. When you trust Jesus Christ to be your Savior, amen, you are declared justified. And the holiness of Jesus is placed on you, and the sinfulness of you is placed on him, and he paid the sin debt. So as God looks at you, he sees you through the holiness, the righteousness of Jesus. So when there's a gathering of, few, of a few of those people, God is there because the Holy Spirit of God is in resident, residing in those people who've trusted Jesus. Amen? God is here right now. He's in your home if you've trusted Jesus to be your Savior. He's in the place where you work if you've trusted Jesus to be your Savior. Think about that. So while the world around you and I may be broken and, and, and dark, 
Where you are, if you have trusted Jesus, God is there. I want to invite you to say that with me. Where I am, if I have trusted Jesus, God is there. You ready? Let's say that. Where I am, if I've trusted Jesus to be my Savior, God is there. Now hold on to that. And then one last one before we worship. Verse 7. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. <laughs> Guess what? It did. It's called the gospel. It's called Easter. God came in the person of Jesus to Zion, Jerusalem. <laughs> and he went all the way to the cross to make it possible that any person, anywhere, any generation can experience rescue from the darkness and the brokenness of our world and their own life. Do you agree with that? Amen? It's happened, David. It's happened. You didn't see it, but we're living in the wonder of it. And that's why we have a cross in the front of this church now. You ready for the assignment? First assignment was take a sealer break this weekend and reflect. Second assignment, pick up your pencil and write a psalm. You can do it. Have you noticed that all the psalms are simply very authentic outpouring of whatever's going on in your heart? That's why I started with, how's your heart? And if your heart is in a bad place, that's okay. God's a big boy. He can handle it. And if you need to write, God, on this, the 50th day of the summer of 2014, I'm angry. It's not right what's going on. They've hurt me. Punish them, God. Write wherever you are. It's okay. God knows. Don't try to pretend. And then take your psalm and put it right there in Psalm 14. And when we come to Labor Day weekend, 50 days from now, if I remember, we're going to go back and we're going to look at those psalms and we're going to see what did God do in your life from the 50th day to the 100th day. And if you're at the place where you need to crowd, God, help me, write it down. Write a psalm, your own private, personal expression to God of where are you on day 50 of the summer of 2014. And then start worshiping like we're going to do right now and watch God work. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for the great privilege of opening your word. Thank you for the life of King David and the truthfulness with which he wrote about what was going on in his life at different times and what you were doing. Now God, God, I'm asking that you give to every single one of us the time and the courage this weekend to take a sila break, pause, reflect, and then the double courage to be able to pick up a pen and write, how's my heart? What's going on in my heart? Why? Since you know all about it, God, I'm asking you to help us to write with honesty and then to lay it before you and invite you into every part of it. Now as we worship you, O oh God, we fully acknowledge that no matter what the condition of our, each of our hearts, you are the only one who can do something about it. So please receive our worship and begin your work even right now. Invite him to work in your heart as you worship, my friends. We worship you, Lord Jesus.